Oh yeah, I remember that time we like lost half of the audio. <laughs> <laughs> that was awful. <laughs> Hello and welcome to the JM podcast. This is a podcast where we talk about movies, TV shows, and anything in between. If you are coming back, welcome back and hope you're doing well. And if this is the first time you're here, welcome. Today we are continuing with our badass women series with the 2017 action thriller film Atomic Blonde. And before I get to any details, I would like to welcome back my guest, professional rugby player <laughs> and singer Murray. Hey, it's great to be back. I, you know, I forgot that that's what our segment was. I feel like we never talk about it anymore, but... <laughs> With the I I forgot that I'm the the badass woman segment, and that was like what like three years ago now that like uh, two <laughs> two years ago that you were like let's do a badass woman segment and I totally forgot that that's what we've been doing. <laughs> like you you send me a movie and I'm like okay sure I like that movie. I, I mean you I did no recommend idea. you did recommend the rhythm section or the rhythm scene. Whew. Yes. And that was pretty funny. I mean, the the lake that you need to get to in order to not be a, a prostitute. Uh, oh, my gosh. I mean, at the time, though, like, I feel like I was just really excited about these, like, women led action movies. Like, I'm a, like, I really like Salt and like Columbiana. And then did we do Peppermint? Have we done Peppermint? Yeah, we did Peppermint. Yeah, we did Peppermint. And it's just like, they're so bad. Which is so disappointing <laughs> because yeah. you have like um, these are like Born, you know, or uh, John Wick or whatever, which tend to be really, really good. But then you've got sort of the same formula, but you put like a woman at the helm and it's like they stop trying. Like it, it's almost like the directors don't try as hard to implement a good movie. Yeah. Um, but I didn't think about it. Like, I guess I just over time forgot that it was the badass woman segment and we were just making fun of female-led movies <laughs> so it's really funny i mean technically i mean technically at this point it's kind of like a, an ironic statement you know yeah. that we're doing a badass women series and yeah. all the films that we've done are like really bad in terms of the execution of it um, yeah and you know, I was wondering, because we never, I don't know when's the last time we actually discussed like a really good female-led movie, but before we get into it, like, do you have one that you say is like really, really good? Oh, I would say like Tomb Raider, like the remake, the mm -hmm. one with that one Dutch woman. I feel oh, that, yeah. that that one was really cool. And it was so cool because it didn't have like a love story like yes like that one guy that was helping her it kind of had like a little bit of a connection between them but it wasn't just like oh yeah like let's talk about the guy that I have a crush on you know yeah <laughs> so I don't know if it's because they did do like almost like a reboot and a redevelopment of Tomb Raider the game yeah. that's why I really liked the film because it was a little bit more it wasn't stagnant it was a little bit more continuous but yeah. yeah that's a good one I haven't seen that I need to watch that maybe that's one we should do yeah um, let's see, see if our, our podcasts are better if uh if they're actually good movies we watch I really liked uh Columbiana uh-huh Louis Saldana did a good job in that 
Um, one, I feel like I need to see again to remember if I liked it, but I remember really liking Miss Bala with Gina Rodriguez. Oh, yeah. I remembered that that, like, that was some kind of like the same situation where it, it had like a really good plot and, you know, same setup as any of the other like redemption mm-hmm. movies. And yeah. then it gets like bombed at the box office. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, or in terms of marketing too, like it's just. Yeah. And I, I feel like that's automatic. I feel like no matter what, because just because a woman let it, like they're probably not going to give it its due. Like, even if it's really good, you know, like just because of the sexism and media. Yeah. <laughs> but, <laughs> but I just, I remember, I really liked Ms. Bala because like she kind of is forced to be like, her captors like lover or whatever to the point where he believes that she's in love with she it almost seems like she has stockholm and then she's like nope i'm just training to kill you and i I really thought that was awesome (laughs) yeah i mean i haven't seen colombiana um and no i haven't need to fix that (laughs) (laughs) well it's so funny because like i remember watching the trailers you know back when you know, we had direct TV and such, you know, like where you had to watch uh, through commercials and such that uh, for that, I was like, oh, yeah, like, that's a really cool, like, movie. And I think this was like when uh, Zoe was also doing Guess Who that like, remake. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, that was really funny, too. <laughs> yeah, she was having a really sweet moment there. <laughs> yeah. For a bit where she was just the it girl <laughs> yeah <laughs> i feel like maybe in the future we'll try to uh pick like somewhat better or like try <laughs> i don't know but i mean like i still like the the movies that we did watch previously like yeah, yeah. they're horrible but like hey if you lower your expectations it's amazing <laughs> you know? i just feel like i find that like you and i will go in complete opposite directions at the end when you're like, what do you think? And I'm like, I kind of liked it. And you were like, it was terrible. <laughs> <laughs> no, I would say the only one that I didn't like was, I mean, I still like Charlie's Angels full throttle, but I did like the Charlie's Angel 2019. I felt like that that one was like pretty bad. <laughs> okay, fine. Whatever. I don't agree, but fine. <laughs> <laughs> we can still be friends i mean i thought we're still friends we're still friends of course we're friends i'm just saying like okay. you know broaden your horizons all i'm saying uh so yeah today we are going to be talking about the oh, right. 2017 <laughs> action thriller film atomic blonde uh the movie is directed by david leach and written by kurt Johnstad. Uh, the logline is on the eve of the collapse of the Berlin Wall in 1989, an undercover MI6 agent is sent to Berlin to investigate the murder of a fellow agent and recover missing lists of double agents being smuggled into the West. I received information from Wikipedia, IMDb, Movie Insider, Deadline youtube and the hollywood reporter yeah and before you go into this like just to tell the listeners today is like i'm gonna be as confused as you guys because i saw this in theaters and i left this movie being like 
wait, what did I just watch? <laughs> and nothing's changed in, what is it, five years? No. So for me, like, I'm very confused. So I'm really going to be learning along with Jeanette <laughs> about, about this movie because I have no idea what I saw. <laughs> so, so if I ask a lot of questions, that's why. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, for kind of like backstory, Zika couldn't find a free file or because like everywhere you go on, like, you know, when you look up like, oh, where to stream it from, like it's all you have to pay and it's fucking ridiculous. Uh, Did you watch it for free or did you did you pay? Uh, I found a source. (laughs) (laughs) We got it. We got it. We got it. She stole it. But, you know, whatever. (laughs) uh but yeah uh so (laughs) uh in terms of the cast uh you have Charlize Theron as Lorraine Bruckton um you may know her from the Italian job Monster Snow White and the Huntsman Mad Max Fury Road and uh the Fast and Furious franchise I did not know that she was in it uh she started from the fate of the furious why don't you add the old guard (laughs) wait the what what old old guard guard? the movie old guard you don't remember the old guard no on the list now too (laughs) (laughs) no seriously write it down right now add it to the list it's the old guard (laughs) no you don't have to type it i'm saying okay well i'm gonna forget i'm gonna forget like guys we're doing the old guard (laughs) uh but yeah she she started from the fate of the furious onward um i kind of feel like fast and furious franchise has become like a telenovela where like just a bunch of stars just like pop in whenever yeah it's like svu everybody's done it yeah exactly um (laughs) and she also is in the adams family animated film series and it's the one, the recent ones. She plays Did she play Morticia. Yeah, she plays Morticia. Oh. Yeah, and I didn't well, know that, that. It wasn't very good. Don't watch it. <laughs> oh, <laughs> okay. <laughs> Next, we have James McAvoy as David Purcell. Percival. Um, you may know him from the Chronicles of Narnia, The Last King of Scotland, X Men First Class series, Split, and It Chapter Two. Mm. Mm-hmm. and then he was also in wanted uh oh right other yeah mm-hmm. that's when they curved the bullet yeah the curved the bullet able to like shoot a bunch of people standing in a circle mm-hmm. <laughs> that, was that that's how guns worked <laughs> yeah and then fun fact miss busters busted that saying like yeah that doesn't that oh, yeah, can't that. yeah that's, that's true yeah uh <laughs> yeah i think it was like Back when the original three people that would help the main guys were on yeah. it. Uh, next, we had John Goodman as Emmett Kersfeld. You may know him from Roseanne, the from TV everything. show. Honestly, yeah, from basically. Everything. Yeah. John Goodman in everything. <laughs> <laughs> but if you want to know anything particular, uh, <laughs> The Big Lebowski, We're Back, A Dinosaur Story, Coyote Ugly, Argo, Monster Incorporated, and The Righteous Gemstones, which is a TV show. Yeah. 
and then you also have Eddie Marson as Spyglass. You may know him from Sherlock Holmes, Vice, Hobbs and Shaw, White Boy Rick, and Deadpool, Deadpool 2. And he's kind of like John Goodman, where you may know him from a lot of films as like side characters or just like minor characters even. Um it's pretty well known though. Yeah. So, like I, I don't know who uh I feel like I need to Google Eddie Marzen, but well John I would like that guy. Well he's I would I would <laughs> no. say like uh <laughs> I would say like Eddie is kind of like like if you Google him you'll know his face type of thing. Okay. Right. Um doing it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh there was also appearances from Till Schlinger um, as a watchmaker, uh Sophia Butella as Delphine Le Lusac. Uh, yeah, I remember that. <laughs> oh yeah. Mm -hmm. I have I have comments on that performance. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh Roland Moeller as Alexander uh Brev Movich Brevomich, um Johannes Johannesson as Yuri Boxton. Um sorry for butchering everyone's names in this. No, this I know like that the most entertaining thing ever. Please continue. <laughs> uh James Faulkner as C, so that's good. You know, it's just one letter letter, just a C. <laughs> uh Toby Jones as Eric Gray. Uh, and Bill Skarsgård as Merkel. Um, I love how you put the hard names in the middle. <laughs> <laughs> well, because I was kind of like basing it off like, okay, like maybe people that you may know, but they were kind of in most of the scenes or, you know, a good, a good amount of scenes. And then the last one are like, yeah, they were in cameos, basically. Sure. Yeah, sure. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so in terms of the backstory, uh, the movie is based on the 2012 graphic novel, The Coldest City, uh, which is written by Anthony Johnston and uh, Sam Hurt. The graphic novel had the intention to be a first in a series of books, all set in Berlin and during the Cold War. However, only a second novel was released acting as a prequel called The Coldest Winter. I feel like that they might, they stopped because they were running out of like things to put in, you know, because mm -hmm. it's like, okay, like you got Coldest City, you got Coldest Winter. There can only be like the coldest town, the coldest Berlin. Wait, do you think that they didn't make a third book because they couldn't think of, of synonyms for town? <laughs> okay. That, yeah, sure. That's probably why. <laughs> uh, Theron noted in an interview that this film was her passion project when her production company, Denver and Delia Productions received the then unpublished graphic novel in 2010. Uh, her interest in the first John Wick movie inspired Theron to get David Leach to helm the project. And at that time, uh, David Leach co-directed John Wick, the first one, and he was about to do John Wick 2, but he eventually left the project to direct this film. 
Yeah, that uh, makes sense because I feel like there was a lot of hype around this movie. Yeah, especially Charlize like like doing ads and stuff to promote it. So she yeah. was really into this. I could see her like calling in a lot of favors to get this done. Mm hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it took her like what, like five years, like just to get it the ball rolling. Like it's pretty. It's a lot. That's frustrating for sure. Mm -hmm. uh, the film features a bisexual subplot that was not in the original novel. And this came from Kirk Johnston, Jostad, uh, the writer who suggested it after Theron was thinking about how to make Atomic Blog different from the other spy movies. And Leach insisted that the scene uh, were not. The scenes were not there to be provocative, but to show how spies uh, would go in order to get information, which makes sense. Yeah. Okay. Um, we'll get to that point, but I got to tell you that one thing I do remember very vividly about the Atomic Blonde was how wildly unnecessary that scene was. Yeah. Just like, it just felt like it was being, it felt forced, right? Like there was no, it didn't feel like a necessary need to do what she did in order to get information it felt like regardless of what their intention was it felt like they were just trying to have a bisexual scene in the movie yeah. <laughs> so, just just like so the fact that that was their intention is funny to me <laughs> yeah. uh also uh delphine's character was originally a male character in the graphic novel and the novel also yeah. has Lorraine seducing him, but not. Uh, but both characters are fully clothed throughout those those scenes, which I do agree. I feel like that the scene was like okay, like it's. I would get it if Lorraine was having sex with Percival, you know, because mm -hmm. it's like okay, like she's trying to get information from him, but it's like was was Delphine have for i mean i don't know she already has like her trust and her help <laughs> so wildly unnecessary yeah Too oh many real cooks in the kitchen mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. uh in 2015 at the Cannes film festival focus features announced that they had acquired the north american distribution rights to the coldest city uh, Theron was set to play Lorraine in March that same year, while McAvoy was announced to play David uh, Percival in October of that year. Uh, it was originally hoped that uh, David Bowie would play a part in the film. However, he turned it down, the offer shortly before his death. But I think it was because he had cancer and probably mm -hmm. couldn't do it. <laughs> Because yeah. I remember he, he was like hiding his cancer, so I think that that might be it. Yeah, I'd pop in a movie before I died, but that's just me. <laughs> maybe if he, maybe like if it's like simple, like okay, like I just need to be like a background actor, then like okay, like that's that's totally fine. I you guess. know, you think about Chadwick Boseman, he did um Ma Rainey's Black Bottom or whatever. Yeah, that was a very taxing role to do right before you die <laughs> yeah and then he also had cancer i don't know maybe david right. bowie was just being a bitch you know 
<laughs> Rushed in peace, though. <laughs> <laughs> so... To prepare for the role, Theron worked with eight professional trainers, and during the process, she cracked her teeth from clenching her jaw and had to get them fixed in surgery. So, okay, so when I was looking up uh, this injury, I also looked up other injuries she had because in her Wikipedia page, she had a lot of onset injuries. like from this movie? No, not from this movie, just from like other movies throughout her career. Like there was this one time where she was doing the long shot, the one with Seth Rogen. And I guess she was putting on boots or something. And then she kind of like hit her head on the back of the wall, basically. And I think there was also another time where I, I think when she was like tumbling or something in a film she like hit her like she like kind of sprained her wrist because i think she was like bracing the impact or something yeah that's that's wild she just overcommits, which it, it seems like a lot i i remember i don't know if you're going to get into this but like i remember that they had a lot of like behind the scenes special training videos of her getting ready for atomic blonde and just the amount of like physical stuff that they put her under was insane and like super taxing because they were trying to get her to train so that her fight scenes were like more normal like more realistic to like what you would expect like a woman who doesn't necessarily have all this like experienced like you know like when you see people fight they always look like they're like specialized and like they got they know jujitsu and kung fu and all the other ooze and whatever and like for her, like it was supposed to be more like of an improvised, like I'm fighting a really big dude and I had I only have what's in the room with me to like defend him, defend against him. Mm-hmm. And them sort of training her to deal with like an immense amount of like pressure and speed coming out her coming at her at once. And I can see her taking that like way too close to heart and like really ruining her. Well, obviously she ruined her teeth, but like really screwing up her whole body just to like commit to that aspect of her role (laughs) yeah i mean i wouldn't say she's a method actor i would say she's just like when it comes to like action scenes or just maybe even like basic like just like simple choreography or something i feel like that that's kind of her being like very committed to it yeah for sure almost to the point where she's probably going to get injured on set type of thing for yeah she overcommits. it's like it's like um i keep referencing other people from other movies but um kamal nanjiani who like um, worked out way too much for uh eternals oh and like i never told him he had to do that <laughs> he just got really ripped for eternals and he never even took his shirt off <laughs> oh my god wait that was uh that was the one that was controlling people right the movie or the yeah the actor he's the uh, pakistani comedian oh yeah 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 silicon valley yeah yeah and for and for eternals he like remember he got like crazy ripped yeah and the director was like i never needed him to do that (laughs) he just did that (laughs) he was like he has the uh 
uh, he has the uh, reach to, you know, have these like Marvel trainers train him. And so he wanted to get buff. So he got buff for the movie. But I never actually needed him to do that, <laughs> which I thought was really funny. <laughs> so he just went extra like Charlize. <laughs> Yeah, I remember like that one photo where I, I don't know if he posted on Instagram or something, but he posted everywhere. Yeah, he. <laughs> I guess like maybe he was just like, oh, like now it's my time to like get a six pack out because I know that like he be prior to he was probably like almost like an average Joe in terms yeah, of he was like Joey. he was totally yeah. Joey, and he like if you look at his photos, like if you guys haven't looked it up. He looks insane now. He looks like he was photoshopped. Yeah. And that's his real ass body. I thought he was photoshopped. And he was like, this journey has been really taxing, but I'm so glad I did it. And I'm like, oh my God, that's your actual body? <laughs> and he was like, this caption was like, oh, I'm so sorry to my wife for all of the agonizing complaining that I did. And she was like, worth it. <laughs> <laughs> but just so we're clear, he's not in this movie. We're just talking about a random right Yeah, yeah. We're, we're just talking about other people who went above and beyond for performance that were too far. Yeah. That they could just like, you know, scale back a bit. <laughs> I mean, the fact that you break your teeth just clenching too hard, maybe you should reevaluate your life and career, maybe. Yeah. Cause I'm like, what? Why was she clenching her teeth? Like, I mean, cause I mean, when I played soccer, we were always told to like not clench our teeth too hard or something, you know, whenever we do headbutts, like just that as long as your teeth are like closed, you know, you should be fine. Just don't have it to where it will like hit your tongue and then basically yeah. bite it. If you're but... clenching your teeth that your teeth break, you should be wearing a mouth guard. Yeah. Like that's ridiculous. Anyway, <laughs> uh, so, <laughs> uh, so because Theron uh, training overlapped with Keanu Reeves' um, training for John Wick 2, the two developed a competitive relationship to which included sparring together, which I was pretty shocked hearing that because I'm like, I never saw Keanu was that competitive you know mm -hmm. felt that he was just like a chill guy that became well, an actor competitive and still be nice like he, they probably had a friendly competition like when you think of and here we go again with the tangents but um I think it was in the greatest showman uh-huh um, Hugh Jackman and Zac Efron would work out together a lot and um I think it, that was the movie and they developed sort of like a big like Oh, I'm going to the gym. Oh, I got to go to the gym now, too. Like, it's probably like a friendly thing. You know what I mean? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. For days. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what that's like. Yeah, <laughs> no. <laughs> um, no, I, like, I don't know. I just, I guess, like, in my head, I was like, oh, wow, like, whenever people say competitive, like, I'm like, oh, they're competing, like, and I'm like, oh, okay, it could just be friendly, competitive. <laughs> so, like, can I, like, happily punch you in the face? Sure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay to, like, shake you, like, a couple of times on, in your liver just to see, like, how, how to uh, stab you. <laughs> like, yeah, let me just drop kick you real quick. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
principal photography began on November 22nd, 2015 in Budapest before moving to Berlin. And the tunnel sequence in Berlin is the same tunnel used in Captain America's Civil War and the Hunger Games Mockingjay Part 2. Now, oh. I remember uh, Cap the Captain America scene. Uh, I'm assuming the Mockingjay scene happened towards the end because I probably fell asleep to that one. Yeah. <laughs> Let it be known that Jeanette did not like Mockingjay. <laughs> 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 uh but yeah i did remember that that tunnel and i was like oh like i know that tunnel is from somewhere and then lo and behold it was captain america and I it was like i didn't like civil war so i don't remember the tunnel yeah um, but i mean just insert like european tunnel here it probably looks like that <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah it's like and also, like, Civil War was kind of like that weird, like, movie that they just released just because type of thing for some odd reason. Remember? It was, like, so weird. James noted notes that he learned MI6 would recruit alcoholics, drug addicts, and gay men because they had experience holding a big secret. So this caused him to think of making his character, Percival, gay. But that was turned down because Theron was acting as a bisexual woman or someone that would pretend to be bisexual for this film. Uh, so yeah, that whole side character development that ended right there. <laughs> Interesting. I think that the 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 mi6 recruiting folks that was that's pretty fascinating i had no idea yeah i didn't know either like i'm like how did this person how did james like find this out <laughs> you know i know right he probably talked to somebody <laughs> yeah he, <laughs> he probably went to like i don't know maybe pierce bronson it was like how how is how well, is yeah. mi6 <laughs> if they're in budapest i'm sure they had like i don't know folks from mi6 who came and like gave them details about how they're you know what i mean that that whole yeah. ridiculous yeah thing probably yeah or whatever <laughs> yeah yeah like um like retired mi6 people who worked during yeah. that time yeah yeah before filming resumed james mcavoy broke his hand uh while on set of split and had to perform his action scenes with his injured hand. That's that's one fun fact about okay. you. <laughs> uh, the major fight scene in the that staircase that was like kind of like in that building. Yeah, uh, like it, continuous scene, right? Yeah, it lasted. It was a ten minute scene, and it was a it was split into forty separate shots, mm -hmm. seamlessly stitched together with uh nearly half of the half of the scenes or the shots splice uh requiring cgi assistance um mm, yeah though theron performed 90 percent of this of her stunts a canadian stunt woman named monique gandal ganderton performed the stunt where she tumbles down the stairs <laughs> which is padded to look like marble uh, oh, cool. 
Yeah, because I guess Theron was willing to do it, but the stunt coordinator, who also plays the victim, like the um, James Gas- Gascone, mm-hmm. uh, he was like, yeah, no, this is like beyond insurance protection. <laughs> so no. <laughs> but also, too, he probably witnessed her break her teeth and was like, absolutely not. You're crazy. We're getting yeah. a stunt woman. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Probably. Yeah. In March of 2017, the Atomic Blonde premiered at the South by Southwest Festival. And the film was initially scheduled to be released uh, to theaters on August 11, 2017, before being moved up to July 28, 2017. And I feel like this could be to avoid competing with that Annabelle Creations movie because that came out around August 11th. Um, and I think also they felt that dark competing with Dark Tower was a lot better than Annabelle. Mm-hmm. But uh, in May of 2018, Theron confirmed that a sequel was in active development. And by 2019, Leach announced that the project is in development as a production deal with a streaming service company was in the mix. And by April of 2020, it was announced the film was in development as a Netflix exclusive film. There are also talks of potential crossover with John Wick, to which Leach knows that there is a possibility and would do it once there was a good enough story to work it out but i don't know like if like uh you have atomic blonde merge crossover with john wick wouldn't she be like in her 60s technically oh right yeah because of the time difference yeah yeah i don't know if i like that idea to cross over because one john wick is so huge like I feel like it would overshadow Atomic Blonde too much. Mm -hmm. And like, I feel like John Wick films are like, it has to be just him. Yeah. That it would, she would probably just pale in comparison in like fight scenes and everything else. Um, And if they tried to act like they were somewhat equals, I don't think that would be received very well. No. You know, so I, I just, it's probably best to keep them separated. Yeah, because you're what they're already going into John Wick four. So it's like by then it's like, yeah, I think that if there was like a hint in the first film or something, it would have worked. But and even like the I think that one, the ballerina one that they're like doing like a spinoff for HBO Max or something. I know that even with that one, when they kind of introduced it, I believe in the third movie, that it was just kind of like, oh, like, yeah, like we're introducing like a new character, but we don't hear about that character in the film because it's all about John Wick. You know what I mean? Like, it's it's very weird. So in terms of the summary, the film begins with the famous speech of Ronald Reagan making... Uh, sorry, asking the Soviet Union leader Mikhail uh, Gorbachev to tear down the Berlin Wall. And a test 
sorry, a text is revealed that in November 1989, the Berlin Wall collapsed and the Cold War ended before another text. This is not that story is sprayed over it. And it's kind of like almost like a spray paint mm-hmm. in a way. Uh, it then cuts to an MI6 agent, James Gascone, who is chased down by an unknown man in Berlin. Though he uh, outruns the car, Gascone is hit a couple times by a car before KBG, KGB agent Yuri Bakhtin kills him. <laughs> oh my god, this is, I can already tell this is going to be frustrating. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this is such a frustrating movie already like confusing as hell let's all right keep, just get into it like, get into it yeah <laughs> uh yuri then takes james's watch before throwing his body into a nearby river and apparently like just so everyone knows like he took this watch for a reason and then it will be explained in a bit <laughs> um <laughs> again like they don't they're just like, oh, here's a scene. Here's like someone that you should be focused on. And then another person that you should be focused on. But then the next yeah. scene is like, oh, oh, those people. Yeah, you don't really need to worry about those. Like, really. <laughs> and I, I think that's always been my issue with this film is just they just overcomplicated the plot. Yeah. You know, like, I feel like they needed to go in and do like a very simplistic like through line. And then go back and sort of like add details here, add details there. And they didn't do that. And so like, especially in the beginning, I was like, wait, what's happening right now? And I remember feeling confused by the beginning and confused by the end. And then some fighting happens and some sex happens and then it's over. <laughs> so <laughs> that's that's Atomic Blood. Thank you for coming. <laughs> <laughs> well, I feel like that this might be like, kind of like the problem with like spy films is yeah. that it's like they always want to be like okay like this is a spy film so we should keep like the plot hidden from everyone and to reveal it like in the end type of thing but with spy films i feel like people try too hard to be clever yeah and then you can tell that like they were trying to be clever but it just didn't work you Mm -hmm. know And, and like even like when you think about charlie's angels like it wasn't they they were trying to be clever and it just it just failed horribly but like even with this like i feel like with spies like when you think about like born technically born was a spy yeah jason born mm-hmm. like he had a very specific thing he wakes up he has no freaking idea who he is and he needs to figure it out and then he realizes he had all these skills and it, he uses it to figure out who he is that's it <laughs> You got folks getting killed and, you know, spray paints and freaking Reagan <laughs> garbage off. Like, it's like, what are we watching? I'm confused already. And you've only said two sentences. <laughs> but no, go on, go on. Also, side note, I really think it's so funny about the Born Legacy, just like, just like the franchise in general, where it's like just a man who doesn't know what he's doing is just running from people <laughs> like that's mainly what it is but he, yeah exactly but that's really really simple and then just yeah. sort of along the way he realizes he has a, like skills <laughs> you know he's like holy crap i know how to do this i know how to fight this person holy crap i know how to do set this house on fire like you know what i mean like, <laughs> what if he's like 
like doing like big sponsor hours like oh yes. my god i could do this <laughs> yes but that's a thing that's totally a thing i've totally seen that before where someone looks up and they're like holy crap i'm dodging every hit that you throw at me <laughs> Oh boy. <laughs> and then he puts a clown nose on and it's a comedy. <laughs> and then, like, it's still simpler than atomic blocks. <laughs> okay. Back to uh back to the complex plot. So ten days later, uh Lorraine uh Burkton comes to the service of an ice bathtub. Why an ice bathtub? I have no idea. She yeah. she's always in an ice bathtub. Uh after <laughs> after cleaning herself, she discovers a photo of her with James, the guy that we saw earlier getting shot before setting it on fire. So again, we don't know if they were together or they were just friends. Uh yeah. Uh <laughs> uh once she turns on the light we notice her face is bruised and she's got like bruises all over her body um after like i'm assuming an hour or so later lorraine packs a gun in a purse and that was it that she just put a gun in the purse no paperwork no wallet, just a gun in the purse. That's all she needs. And yeah. <laughs> and she heads to the MI6 headquarters to be debriefed by uh, MI6, MI6 executive Eric Gray and CIA agent Emmett Kersfeld about her just-finished mission to Berlin. Though Lorraine asks for Kersfeld to be removed for the from the debriefing gary notes that the request is denied and then she calls Kersfeld a cocksucker under her breath before Kersfeld as if she says something and it's kind of like her being like no i didn't say anything and then emma's like i thought she said something and gray says oh i didn't hear anything that's unnecessary <laughs> like wording so what she called you an insult move on yeah <laughs> it's confusing enough who cares if some lady called you a cocksucker <laughs> you have more things to talk about than huh did you say cocksucker i don't think so did you hear that it's like come on man it's a movie <laughs> they need to realize they're in a movie <laughs> you need like the director to be like hey we're in a movie can you just like speed up the process just a bit Let's just no, move I on. The, I need the other dude to be like, hey, man, get get over yourself. We're in a movie. Keep going. Next line. <laughs> and then they that. open they open the script and then they're like, oh, yeah, I'm supposed to move on. OK, OK, I'm supposed Hold to move me on. a cocksucker. OK, moving on now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, when Gray asks about Berlin and what happened, the scene cuts to the beginning of Lorraine's case. So she's at the office, but at the headquarters, but in a different office with Gray and C, who is the head of MI6. Uh, as they boast about her experience. Okay, sorry. Going back to C, it is kind of funny because it's almost like M from 007, you know, because like she's the head of MI6 and she goes by M. I feel like I was thinking of like J and 
K, I think, from Men in Black. <laughs> oh my god, <laughs> that's where my mind went. But then, like at that point, like wouldn't they just be like L or E or E K? <laughs> like, I don't understand the need to just have like a one. Just have like be everyone. The most common name ever is John Smith. Just be John Smith. You know, just saying. Yeah, or be Bosley. Just or be yeah, but the, exactly. <laughs> Bosley. Everybody's Bosley. <laughs> As they boast about her experience, Gray asks if she knows anything about James Gascon, though she knows that they met once during a case in Istanbul in 1985. Very specific, by the way. Uh, <laughs> see notes without any like hesitation or anything at all. She, he says, oh, James was killed last night. And it was like, whoa. <laughs> oh, wow. But she has, but she's conveniently got the, the burned up, you know, uh, Polaroid of this dude. But like, is she supposed to know him or not? Yeah. So I get, okay. So that time where we see her burning the photo, I'm assuming it means that they were together. And so back in the past, when she first hops on to this case, I guess they asked her, like, oh, do you know James? And I guess she didn't want them to know that they were a couple, I guess. So she was like, oh, yeah, no, we haven't. And then when she finds out that he's killed, she's kind of has to hide the feelings that. So she's pretending that she wasn't in a romantic relationship, but then gives them details of the last time she saw him, which were very specific details. Mm -hmm. Um, And so they're like, but actually, just so you know, this person you barely remember died the night before. And, and and that makes me wonder, like, every time someone dies in their spy organization, does do they say, hey, I know you probably don't know this other person who works in freaking India, but he just died. <laughs> oh, no, you, you cut freaking uh, technical difficulties. <laughs> don't. <laughs> <laughs> Um, where did we left off? Oh, okay. What about <laughs> we're, yeah. we're totally talking about something, and I don't remember what it was. Something about people's names being one letter. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> uh, so the okay, Gray explains that James was working in Berlin with a Stasi defector named Spyglass, and Spyglass had plans to give Gascon. Uh, the list and the list is this microfilm document containing the names of every intelligent agents uh, on both sides active in Berlin and they note that the list is hidden in a wristwatch and it's like a really like fancy wristwatch um, though Yuri is a KB- KGB agent Gary and C notify Lorraine that he is still in Berlin and everyone is going after uh, the list. And they advise her to make contact with David Percival, who is the MI6 top agent in Berlin. When it comes to spies and like politicians, there's always a list. You know what I mean? Do you mm-hmm. notice that? 
I feel yeah. like whenever there's a spy storyline or like a politician storyline, there's some sketchy list that incriminates everybody that's sitting on some dude's necklace or in somebody's pocket or on somebody's ring and everybody wants to get it so that they can be head asshole. <laughs> yeah, because you know, like, have you noticed that? Yeah, because like Charlie's Angels Full Throttle, they had the two rings, you know, and then. With the list. Yep. Yeah. And um, what else? <laughs> I'm just like, if you are dealing with spies, right, and you uh -huh. are dumb enough to let people know there is a list, I would have backups. I'm not just walking around with that crap on my finger. <laughs> Come on, <laughs> it should be like a damn Horcrux. A it horror should be like split up eight times all over the world. <laughs> It should so be like tattooed <laughs> into someone's skin because, like, you can't. You, you should know. tattooed on like eight, a ton of skin. You should hire 20 dudes to have the list tattooed on their backs and just set them up for life. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It's like very weird. It's. It's just like a weird like situation because they're like, oh yeah, like let's do the list. And <laughs> we both gotta go to Berlin to get that list. <laughs> yeah. It's like, like I I wonder who who revealed that there was a list. Because <laughs> you know? it has to be the guy who has the list, right? The guy who made the list? Or is it the guy who made the list gives the list to somebody else and he's like, hey, just hold on to these rings. I'm not going to tell you what's on them, but just go ha go ahead and have fun. And then he's like, hey, guys, there's a list. <laughs> the dude's wearing a red T-shirt. <laughs> Wait, what if like someone just made up this list and then they it's just them getting a watch that doesn't even have this so-called list, you know? I'm sure there's probably like decoys, you know? Mm -hmm. there's gotta be decoys i feel like that's the storyline too i i gotta figure out like all the there, if, you could probably google it and be like spy movies where there's a list <laughs> and it'd probably be like 20 movies they're like and half of them were like well the decoy list was on so-and-so's hand but the actual list was actually secured in a lockbox somewhere in the, the bottom of the sea or something oh god <laughs> <laughs> They're, they're focused on the list and then they're like, okay, you gotta go get the list for MI6 because we really need that list because only we are the people that are capable of making sure that this list is protected, which mm -hmm. is like, okay, fuck that. <laughs> yeah, all the organizations in the world and only MI6 can hold it. <laughs> mm -hmm, mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, so they... Uh, yeah, they advise her to make contact with David Percival, and it then cuts to East Berlin, where we are introduced to David, and he is asking people for information and tips in exchange for liquor, and he's kind of like in this like abandoned like warehouse or like abandoned parking lot. While there, he spots Spyglass, who to which Percival confronts him saying that Gascon never showed up at their meetup. And though Spyglass notes that he did his part and gave Gascon the list, Percival refuses to help his family escape Berlin, arguing that no list, no deal. Back at the headquarters, Gray states that Percival has gone native, 
meaning that he doesn't make contact with MI6 anymore and is just out there and about. And with Wait, so what we're saying here is that in addition to this being extremely confusing, now everybody doesn't trust each other either. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so hence the spy movie. Yeah. That's yeah. like another yeah, thing about spy movies is that like you not only do you have a list and then you have like people like um what was the other thing that we we talked about like oh yeah people with like one little letter names uh <laughs> so so you don't know your your colleagues actual names or mm -hmm. even a name to like reference them to it's just like oh let's see yeah we had a you know a conversation by the water cooler but i don't know his actual name like, and okay. then and then now you have now you have them saying like don't trust anyone so it's like that that's like so confusing it's like you gotta get yeah. this person but then also you got you can't trust the person fully but then you're you have to trust them <laughs> i feel like with uh, i feel like with spies and all these spy movies right they spend a tremendous amount of time with each other uh -huh. But I feel like in reality, most spies don't interact with a lot of other spies. Like, you know how, yeah. like, when, and, and I think they go into it a little bit here, but like, where they can sort of be like, oh, yeah, I was a spy with this person back in, you know, like three years ago. And then, you know, I, we, we did that job together in, you know, this one place. And I feel like more often than not, spies don't, they don't have colleagues. They're just alone. You send a dude out or you send a lady out. Um on their own to establish contact and like do a relationship or whatever and like maybe sometimes it'll be like a married couple but i feel like more often than not spies don't interact with each other so they don't have all these people that they're supposed to trust or not trust they just distrust everybody they may have one handler but beyond that they really shouldn't be in these like groups debriefing in crap <laughs> you know what I mean? so i feel like it's taking me out of the realism of like an actual like covert agent <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah exactly because like i feel like that it's kind of i feel like in reality i feel for spies it's kind of like spy the movie or i spy where you have someone at you know like cia or mi6 kind of helping out the spy but that's kind of it like you know it's yeah. just it's just that yeah, I feel like when I think of spies, I think of like Villanelle from um uh crap, I was gonna say killer shrimp. That's not her name. <laughs> That's a restaurant. It's a restaurant. It's her name. It, what is the movie? Killing Eve. Oh yeah. <laughs> no. mm -hmm. Villanelle from Killing Eve. She's completely alone all the time and she has a handler who tells her what to do and then she goes and does it. Like I feel like that's what I expect when I think of like like every once in a while she has to like partner up with somebody but it's real brief at maybe a day if you're lucky and then you go back to being completely alone all the time mm -hmm. yeah like that's what i think of when i think of spies not all this like let's commune in this conference room over here and then you go talk to one of the people who are in the conference room and they're like don't trust anybody you just met in the conference room or any of the people you used to know on that one job when we were all together in the same city like that just doesn't make any sense <laughs> to be yeah. an effective spy <laughs> <laughs> just i'm just i'm complaining but like i'm just 
poking through all the plot holes uh, in this movie. Oh, and then on top of that, on top of all that, mm-hmm. uh, Gray notes that East Berlin is the wild, wild west. So it's like... Sure. <laughs> Wait, do we have to wear cowboy boots and um, shoot people for no apparent reason? Like, is this is this Red Dead Dead Redemption a game? Oh, I like, that. I love that game. That's a good game. <laughs> but yes, no, I get what you're saying. I just think that I'm I'm just poking through all the p- plot holes of um, this plot. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> for the film because like it just seems like. I feel like it's a big part of Atomic Blonde is like you have all of these people that you're supposed to be working with, you meet them and then they're supposed to be your colleagues and then they immediately are supposed to be like untrustworthy and you can't, well, you can't trust them essentially. Like, yeah. So it, it almost feels like why, why is this a thing? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Gray provides Lorraine a new identity named Elizabeth Lloyd. And it's so funny because we never hear that name ever again. Like, (laughs) she never goes by like, hi, my name is Elizabeth. It's like, oh, you know, Lorraine's here. You know, (laughs) it's just like, it's weird. Uh, But she is acting as a Cambridge educated lawyer trying to gather Gascon's body for his family and to send it back to uh, England. And then C, before she leaves, uh, C tells her to trust no one. Again, like... Yeah. <laughs> but him, apparently. Like, you can trust C, but no one else. <laughs> yeah, not even Gray. <laughs> but I feel like, in, t- in turn, is untrustworthy. <laughs> yeah. It's like, hey, you can only trust me. Nobody else just me, which makes me feel suspicious about you. <laughs> uh, <laughs> when uh, police officers arrive to break up the party back at back in Berlin, Percival takes Spyglass away uh, to a back exit where Spyglass notes that he can remember the entire list. And Percival doesn't believe him, but then he's like, oh, like your prostitute's name is this. You go to this place to have sex with her. And it's just like, okay, like you don't need to be that particularly. <laughs> like, <laughs> um, impressed, Percival agrees to help Spyglass before they encounter two cops. Now, Spyglass just escapes. He's like, okay, I'll see you tomorrow type of thing. <laughs> and Percival is stuck with the cops. So he, he manages to take them down and takes their car and one of the guys' uniforms and kind of sets the car on fire to be used as a decoy for the Soviet soldiers so he could cross the border basically and he kind of like goes underground i'm not sure if it's like a sewage because it, it, it's like this big like tube you know and mm-hmm. he just like goes underneath and then just like walks casually back to west berlin and <laughs> uh, so, interesting yeah 
So Lorraine arrives in Westberland the next day while Percival realizes that he's late to meet her. And mind you, this guy like wakes up with like two women that are like butt ass naked and <laughs> and then he's like, Oh, <laughs> I'm late for picking up this other woman. Like <laughs> Uh, that seems so, wildly unprofessional for his job you know yeah. like what what was what was the need to have that scene where he's you know coming out of like a where he's swimming in women essentially right like because it just doesn't like I've never, I always, I found that very off-putting where like, just complaining about spies again, like the depiction of spies again, where it's like, there's really no need ever, even if you are a ladies man, to be with a bunch of ladies like that. Like, yeah. how is that part of your job? Yeah. Like, there's no guys standing around watching you like, okay, yeah, do her good. That'll be great. <laughs> We're convinced now you're really great at this. <laughs> you know what I mean? Just unnecessary. <laughs> yeah, I guess like, I guess like their explanation was like to show him that oh he's gone native like he doesn't like just stay by himself you know in Berlin like he mm -hmm. goes out and parties and have sex with women I guess like that's probably the writer's like excuse to be like oh yeah we gotta have like naked ass women around him to prove that oh he's gone native and <laughs> it's like okay so trivial though Mm -hmm. it's so it's so stupid I, and that's what i'm saying like i wonder because clearly there were a lot of it was a bit of a sausage fest for this uh movie mm -hmm. and i'm wondering if there were more female producers and female direct like there was a female director and you know writer and stuff i wonder if it wouldn't be this like i'm sure there will definitely be issues because i'm not saying that women are yeah like better necessarily and but i'm saying like some of these kind of ridiculous depictions of men um, and spies, to be honest, like I'm curious if how it would be different if there was a woman at the helm, because yeah. Charlize Theron and like eight dudes is really an enlightened piece, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know? Yeah, because I like I don't even know if like she was like the only I I assume she was like probably the only if not maybe the few women to be producing this film. So I guess it's like when you have you're just the one or a few women, it's kind of hard to like voice your opinions on like oh yeah I don't want it to be like this but yeah but that's Hollywood too like I feel like Hollywood has a tendency to, because now you like you need to be politically correct which I personally think you should be more politically correct mm -hmm. these days but they'll be like especially with like white filmmakers they'll be like okay we're gonna do a movie about women mm -hmm. so we need a woman we only need one woman, right? So we'll add one woman as a producer, right? And then uh -huh. we're gonna do the movie and we'll be like, hey, 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 we have at least one move, one woman in our list of male producers, right? So oh, it's authentic, yeah, right? Mm -hmm. But it's still got this idiotic, misogynistic crap in it. Uh huh. <laughs> but they got their stamp of approval because at least they, they have one woman in the cast. Yeah. You know what I mean? Or mm -hmm. not in the cast, in the producing team. Yeah, or like at least like behind the scene, I guess. 
Yeah, I get it. Lorraine uh, arrives at the airport, and then as she exits the airport, a man uh, with very nice hair, mind you, it was a very nice, like you know, um, <laughs> it was it was slightly receding, but like he was pulling it off like very well, you know. A man greets her and tells her yeah. that Percival is running late and asks him to pick her up. But as she is like, okay, like, fine, here are my bags. Another man joins them and sits in the back seat with her while a young woman watches from a nearby phone booth. And as they are driving, (laughs) yeah, it's a little sketchy. So as they're driving, uh, (laughs) Lorraine is picking up uh, that the men are not who they are saying that they are and she takes like her shoe and just like attacks the guy next to her while noticing that there's a black porsche driving and following them and it's kind of like not even like subtly following them like he's like like tailgating them basically and uh <laughs> so they're so she's like attacking like the men the guy next to her like gets thrown out of the vehicle and so it's just a driver and she knocks kind of knocks him down or knocks him in a way where she takes control of the wheel and she kind of braces the seatbelt and kind of steers the car to this barrier which causes it to flip and this is kind of like the tunnel scene that are famous yeah. for the other films. Um, and this is sort of what I was talking about before. I feel like I saw some sort of an interview or something where they were like, you, um, she was like, they were trying to train her to be able to use everyday objects in the way that a woman would do to defend herself Yeah. to, to fight. So like when you say like the shoe and the seatbelt and things like that, like that's why you see it and you'll see it later in like that other scene uh with the stairs and the fridge and whatever but like yeah where she just uses like common objects to to defend herself and i don't know if that's realistic necessarily for spy training i I can't speak to it but it just it's something that when you say like i remember them pointing it out is like a lot of times lorraine and i'm curious as to like her training Lorraine specifically, not Charlize Theron, but like yeah. what her her training ritual was like to get into MI6. <laughs> yeah. Like pulling off your shoe. It's like, come on. Like Austin Powers did more than that. <laughs> he was chronogenically frozen for <laughs> I feel that speaks volumes. <laughs> yeah. Not- yeah, like, I don't know, like, what the process is for, like, a CIA agent, but I know for FBI, I think, like, they, they had to do, like, a kind of, like, a mental test, and then they also had to do a shooting test, kind of, because I didn't realize, but for FBI, like, everyone has to know how to shoot a gun, let alone how to shoot it correctly and well. Which I was like, oh, that's like so funny because, you know, I figured that people who are like tech people for the FBI or, you know, like forensic people that they wouldn't have to do it. But apparently they have to do it. 
And I was like, well, wow. You don't want a bunch of defenseless pansies in <laughs> You need to be able to defend yourself if someone comes for the FBI headquarters, right? I think, uh, okay, like, true, 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 true. <laughs> You, just, you don't want to just have a bunch of random victims and civilians who can't defend themselves. <laughs> I feel like I can see that. That'd be weird if you didn't know how to use a gun and you're like, but you're the secretary. You you answer the phones. You're right there. They'll you, they're gonna see you first. <laughs> oh, <laughs> but you know now that you put it together, like that does make sense. Thank thank you, Insinka. That <laughs> that's what I do, friend. That's what I do. <laughs> uh, so. Poor, oh, sorry, uh, Percival steps out of the Porsche after the car accident occurs to greet Lorraine, only for her to shoot a bullet towards him and ordering where was he when she arrived at the airport. And as they clean up, Lorraine tells Percival that the men knew her name and not just like her decoy name, like her actual name. Uh, but he brushes, brushes it off. Nothing is suspicious. And it then cuts to the debriefing where the men ask her about her first impression of David. And she argues that he has a disastrous Sinead O'Connor hair before uh, saying that he did blend it in really well. What is this Even- conversation? <laughs> Yeah, like she was like, oh, this like he sh- he had a disastrous Sinead O'Connor hair, and then Emmett turns to Gray and says, "Oh, that's a singer. That's an Irish singer. Like the fucking guy is British. Like I think he knows Sinead O'Connor, mind you." <laughs> uh, this but yeah, so poorly done. Yeah, and then she was like, "Oh yeah, like he did it to blend it in, to like blend into the crowd." And then even it cuts back to the car scene where he's like, "Oh yeah, I did this to blend in. See, like touch, touch it. Do you want to feel it?" It's like, who the fuck? Like, <laughs> I don't know. This uh, is as asinine as did she call me a cockroacher? Did she call me a cockroacher? <laughs> Yeah, I don't think this like CIA agent knows how to debrief. Like, I I don't think he knows. Before Percival drops Lorraine off at her hotel, he drops off one of the KGB spies and asks him to say hi to Bremovich before knocking him out. And then it cuts to Bremovich asking the party goers who were caught by the police to tell them where spyglass is at first no one is saying anything so of course it's that whole like scenario where oh he's got to prove his point (laughs) so (laughs) he takes one of the guys and beats him to death and then orders the other the rest of the people where Spyglass's location is. While that's happening, his men notes that Yuri never showed up with the list, and then he orders them to find Yuri now that Yuri is kind of going rogue and going against KGB. And it's assuming at this point that Yuri is going to turn around and sell it for his own, you know, money. And the mm-hmm. next day, Lorraine heads to the coroner's coroner's office to pick up Gas Gascon's body, while 
the lady from before is taking photos of Lorraine entering the coroner's office. And again, we don't know who this lady is. It's just some lady that's just like following Lorraine around. Uh, despite having oh, the proper, so unnecessary. <laughs> uh, despite it having, so unnecessary. I feel like they were just like, I'm sorry, but like it's just I know that I'm gonna keep saying this. I'm not trying to like come for any like LGBT whatever, but like it just seems like this movie is crazy confusing already. Having this mysterious woman pop up and then pop out you know what i mean then they sleep mm -hmm. together it doesn't work out whatever like it just it feels like an unnecessary plot point to an already confusing movie <laughs> yeah yeah it's just, just like, mad about it i'm it's grumpy, just like I'm grumpy. <laughs> so many confusions already and we're like what like 30 minutes into the film <laughs> yeah it's uh, just like i didn't do this right poorly executed <laughs> Uh, despite having the proper documents, the coroner refuses to release Gascon's body due to his passport not matching. After dunking herself into another ice bath, Lorraine <laughs> heads to her hotel bed and knows that someone is inside. And once she attacks the person, she discovers that the man is Percival. And though he knows that he knows every doorman in all the shit house and flop houses of West Berlin, Lorraine asks him about the woman that's following her. And he tells her that she's an attractive woman and should do the math before noting if he was ordered to follow her, she would not even notice. Kind of like saying like, oh, well, I would do a better job at following someone. And it's like, okay, okay. Okay, Sinead O'Connor, like you could just like calm down. Like <laughs> like take your oh ego and bring it down. <laughs> so she then goes to the watchmaker and asks the man that she is interested in buying a watch with access to a network in East Berlin. And he was like, he's like <laughs> in this corner of like the store. And with like his little glasses to look at the you know to look into the watch and such and then he's he stops and says oh uh come back tomorrow before closing and then just goes back to work and <laughs> and then she's like okay and then leaves he's just like as sketchy as all the spies she knows all the time <laughs> yeah <laughs> he's being suspect that's annoying uh-huh a dream then appears where James is kind of talking to Lorraine and he's kind of like under these like bed sheets. So I'm assuming that's mm -hmm. because they had sex and they're talking to each other. Mm -hmm. And he asks her to be careful and run before a gunshot rings out. So like there's like so many that's happening in this dream because like it's also coming back to gray in the debriefing room but then the debriefing room isn't happening right now but then it kind of is I, I don't know mm -hmm. a lot of stuff is happening and then she wakes up and then it's like oh my god it's a dream <laughs> I am so sad <laughs> how dare uh, they have dream sequences in this movie <laughs> yeah on, uh, the next day <laughs> uh, Lorraine <laughs> 
breaks into Gascon's apartment to find it ransacked. Now, during the briefing, Lorraine notes that she understands that everyone ransacked the apartment. Like, everyone. Like, KGB, MI6, CIA, everyone looked into the apartment. And they were like, oh, well, you don't think you will have, like, any, like, information necessary like the the list is already gone and she's like yeah i know the list is gone but i also felt that there were other notes that could expose where this <laughs> double agent is or the list she then this movie's not a comedy right <laughs> no it's not a comedy it's supposed to be serious people <laughs> <laughs> Serious, I feel like we need to keep reiterating that. It's a serious work, people. She is an MI6 agent and is going <laughs> into people's apartments. <laughs> yes. Uh so there uh, also there's just a heavy amount of mansplaining happening as well. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And she's like, Yes, I know it's ransacked. I need to get information about Satchel because that was another task that she needed to do was to figure out who satchel is and find them uh because they're supposedly the double agent <laughs> so once she discovers a picture of gascon and percival and it's funny because percival said that he never knew the guy but then the picture proves otherwise uh a group of men head towards the apartment because i guess like they like a woman alert triggered them that they're like oh well we got we gotta get to the apartment there's a woman in this apartment a woman alert. <laughs> so they just were aroused <laughs> so, oh. <laughs> i detect a woman of course she takes them down with ease and uses one of them to scale down the building in that part she kind of wraps like a rope around a man's neck and kind of just jumps off this building i think it's like the second story of the building and then just kind of falls but she gets like knocked out by it but then she gets up i feel like they did that in salt they ripped that off from salt <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah uh and then there was also a wilhelm scream the <laughs> which was yeah. like it was obviously like okay this isn't his scream like this is completely added in <laughs> again this is a very serious movie people like yes yeah, there was a wilhelm a yes it's it also not it's not animated either guys it's not animated <laughs> <laughs> the real life action spy <laughs> flick <laughs> so, i feel like you're describing melissa mccarthy's spy is that what's called spy yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We, we might as well just watch that one at this point. <laughs> for, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and then she goes to Melissa McCarthy. <laughs> yeah. So after she takes down two more men in the courtyard, she then heads out. And she places a wire in, like, on her body before heading to Percival's uh, apartment and I think also safe house. Uh, she confronts him about being friends with James, but he argues that he already told her that he was friends with him. And it's kind of like, again, gaslighting in a way where it's like, okay, 
she knows you didn't say that but sure fine (laughs) (laughs) if that's what you want to believe percival uh so believing that percival is wasting her time she decides to kind of take into her own hands and talk to the russian spies to see if they know anything so at the bar she encounters bremovich who tries to flirt with her and though uh lorraine is trying to steer away from him delphine this french woman butts in believing that lorraine needs help and oh my god this woman i'm sorry to say this but this woman does not know how to act <laughs> like she oh, is <laughs> she's she's not a great actress <laughs> i'm sorry no uh, they just wanted some mysterious french woman with a butt chin that looks she lo- makes her look exotic to uh come in rocker world so that the dudes were all aroused in the theaters and then they could move on with their lives mm-hmm. you were saying yep <laughs> Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Once Brenovich leaves, Delphine tries to get Lorraine to go to a different club with her, but Lorraine declines. And then, kind of in the background, we hear paparazzi's saying, like, Mr. Hasselhoff, Mr. Hasselhoff. And uh, Lorraine is like, What's happening outside? And Delphine's like, Oh, David Hasselhoff is in town. Pa- Paparazzi's are taking pictures of him. And I'm like, What the fuck is like happening? Like, this is this, like, is this a comedy? Like, what's happening? Like, I in 1989, right? David Hasselhoff was like one of the biggest stars because he was on Baywatch. Was that 1989? Yeah. Okay, okay, yeah, okay. Mm-hmm. It's it's a weird addition to add to such a serious movie, but they felt the need to remind us that they are not in present day by throwing out the famous David Hasselhoff, who is conveniently outside of the club. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I think also because like I I think either both Belgium and Germans or just Belgians people they really like david hasselhoff i have no idea yeah. why but they just really like him and it's just right but like why would he be there i oh i think it's because of the berlin wall because he was there and so i guess they wanted to be like oh hey like this is like pre berlin wall like days before the berlin wall is going to collapse and he's here i guess that's probably why um, because we... like David Hasselhoff, like, <laughs> like, hey, David, if you come to Berlin right before the Berlin Wall and potential unrest of Germany, um, feel free. We'll, we'll pay you like, you know, half a million dollars to come and sign autographs to a bunch of people who have been fighting for their country. <laughs> and he's like, yeah, sure, I'll go. Sure. <laughs> Do I need to wear the Speedo? <laughs> yeah, maybe it's like one of those things that, oh, if you go to this place, like during the Berlin Wall collapse, you will forever be endowed by the Ber- the Belgians. And then he's like, "Yeah, like I feel like that my career is not going to go beyond Baywatch. Let's let's go. Let's do this." No, let's he do totally it. got paid for that. He probably cleaned up for that. Appearance. Yeah, I feel like that that royalty is still going on to this. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> 
quite a great investment david hassel maybe he was very smart about doing that you know to be quite honest like today though like david haskell if you ask him like where'd you get that classic car in your driveway he's like oh i visited berlin right before the wall got knocked down (laughs) that's where that's where that money came from (laughs) you know he should just be like in cars uh car comedians in cars getting coffee like it should just be like jerry being like how how did you get this car oh it was you know berlin wall collapse you know i feel like that that really i wouldn't be surprised if he hadn't already done that (laughs) yeah i mean yeah true (laughs) lorraine stops by uh the watchmaker to pick up her watch uh noting that she will find his contact very useful again it's very like covid and um sure yeah (laughs) now we're getting into kingsman (laughs) yeah uh so meanwhile percival listens in on a wire and lorraine heads back to her hotel to find pinpoints of her contact so what this like watchmaker does is that he kind of like embeds uh almost like um kind of like uh pinpoints of a map mm-hmm. to tell her where to meet this person uh so the next day she goes to east berlin alone to meet up with the contact now kurtfeld notes that she should have used percival's contact in berlin but she knows in the debriefing that he told her to trust no one like uh while in east berlin she spots bremovich's men following her and they she goes into this movie theater and she manages to remove her wig because at this time she's kind of wearing a different wig she's like wearing like a straight uh short hair uh like from the cover the the platinum blonde one that's like a bob right no it this one is like a redhead uh like got it um kind of like um straight shoulder length yeah a little bit of bang like a little bit of a side bang probably yeah yeah so uh Because, like, that's very important, people. Like, the hair. It's very important to know what wig she was wearing. Just so everyone yeah, knows. She's got to dramatically shift from being a redhead to being, like, a platinum blonde. Because yeah. that's the name of the movie. <laughs> uh, So, uh, she manages to remove her wig before blending into the crowd. And then she's like, oh, I'll just put a hoodie on. And then just, like, that's not suspicious at all. <laughs> <laughs> no one will suspect of you charlotte <laughs> yeah no one would suspect that like someone wouldn't just like take off the hoodie if they're watching the, the movie it's like right <laughs> but but we i mean in everyone knows that in spy slash like superhero 101 everybody's just a little bit stupid and so you can get away with stuff like putting on glasses and no one knows who you are and then taking them off and being like superman (laughs) so they're going by that lot which is fair yeah that's fair i mean it was 1989 like probably their form of perception and just awareness is just 
<laughs> That's a silly excuse. You're basically saying that people were dumber in 1989. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so why I think like uh, she waits until the uh, one of the men like head upstairs and then she exits downstairs and then sets off a fire alarm before entering the back room of the projector. And <laughs> when that happens, uh, one of Bremovich's men find her. Again, it's kind of like they, they get into a scuffle and then he pushes her through the movie screen and then he loses track of her. And I'm like, yeah, you fucking push her through a movie screen <laughs> and she falls off the stage. What did you expect that she was going to? <laughs> These people, the, you know, the, I think that this is another issue just with this movie is that like none of these people, Lorraine included, just seem like they're seasoned spies. Yeah. You know, like it feels like they're making a lot of dumb like rookie mistakes <laughs> uh. <laughs> and it's it just feels i think some of that is why i don't like it it's like it just feels asinine that like they don't they they make a lot of mistakes and they do a lot of things it's almost like they got like a bunch of dudes and uh lorraine in a room and had them watch one movie probably melissa mccarthy spy and then we're like go be spies <laughs> probably <laughs> <laughs> both the men and Lorraine escape before the police arrive and once she loses the men she heads to the rooftop area to meet Merkel who is an ally to the CIA and she was like oh is this place safe for us to talk and I guess like he looks at this radio tower I guess it was some like tower and he's like yeah i think we're okay and like, <laughs> all he had to do is just look at a tower and be like yeah i think we're okay yeah i think we're okay to keep going yep. they just watched a movie <laughs> uh meanwhile percival spots uh bot botkin entering the watchman's store to sell a watch full of secrets to a highest bidder and then back at the hotel, Lorraine listens into her conversation with Delphine earlier, causing her to meet her at the club. And and it's like the club that Delphine tried to invite her before. Mm-hmm. And after they talk, Delphine kisses Lorraine before taking her to some place more private. And as they're making out, Lorraine spots the gun uh, from like uh, behind Delphine's back and confronts her about it. And Delphine immediately breaks down and (laughs) reveals that she is a French spy. I'm like, this woman should not be a spy if she easily breaks down that quick. Like, I I don't know. Yeah, yeah, full amateur in acting and in actual spy-ness. <laughs> mm-hmm. And though Lorraine notes that Delphine should have been a poet or a rock star, she still, like, kisses her, and then they kind of go back to Lorraine's hotel, and then they make love, and it's kind of like a weird, like, I don't know, it was funny because when I 
I was typing on the computer when kind of like the whole kissing thing was happening. And then when I looked up, I see yeah. like they're getting it on. I'm like, oh my God. I'm like, whoa. Like, I did not expect that. Wait, were to you happen. surprised you didn't know that happened? I didn't like I was so oh, busy shoot. like writing. <laughs> and then I look up and I'm like, oh my God, they're doing it. <laughs> That's the scene I was saying where it just felt unnecessary. Like the fact that you were surprised about it is what I'm talking about. Like they just sort of threw it in there and it didn't really it wasn't necessary to this insanely ridiculous plot that they've got going. <laughs> yeah. And it just like, I just don't I, like, they could have done the makeout thing. We find out that she's a spy and she's got the gun or whatever. That could have been the end of it. You know, they could still yeah. have like, like a, a deep connection connection. And this is my issue with sex scenes in general. I just think sex scenes are relatively useless, but like um, it just felt like it was, they just wanted to say that she was bi but that was it. Like there was no, there was nothing else to really accomplish from that. Yeah. And also I feel like that her being bi, it's not like a personal choice. It's almost like, oh, it's like for her job. You know what I mean? Right. Like, I don't think it's something that, oh yeah, she's like, she likes this person. I think it's like, yeah, I'm just doing it for my job type of thing. So again, it doesn't, right. doesn't make sense. <laughs> Yeah, I just don't see how it was relevant to her mission at all. Like, what does no. her, you know, getting with Delphine in that way have to do with the list at all? Yeah. Or with the fact that half of her colleagues are untrustworthy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so back at the debriefing, Lorraine argues that she had sex with Delphine because she believed that Delphine had uh, information that she needed but as Cusfeld and Gray press her to reveal the information she refuses and as like the men press her it kind of goes back and forth uh, between like the post-sex scene and the debriefing scene and Lorraine is like being told by Delphine that uh, she knows something about Percival and Lorraine is like, wait, you know, kind of like, shh, you know, don't say anything right now before turning up the radio so so Delphine could whisper into her ear of what she knows about Percival. Again, it's like, we don't really know yet, but like, I guess we'll know soon. <laughs> uh, meanwhile, Botkin encounters Percival and he is killed uh, with a stab wound to the head and it's like it's like in the head it's not like on the side okay. it's like in the head in the forehead and i'm like oh my god Seriously, that's like how are spies supposed to kill people yeah like how do spies normally kill people like shouldn't they make it look like an accident <laughs> yeah when like i don't know i'm always like told like, you know, based on, like, movies, it's always, like, they have, like, a silencer on their gun, and then they shoot them, and that's it. Like, they don't... It's like a powder or something. Like, they yeah. drink something. Yeah. Yeah. Like, even freaking KGB. I, I know they're in my sex, but, like, K KGB has that, like, ricin thing where, like, they, you know, shoot it in their leg, and it's, like, no one... It's, like, a the size of a pore or mm -hmm. whatever, and then they die within like 12 hours or whatever. <laughs> oh yeah. Well, I know that like uh, 
sorry to go like sidebar but i know like with like the russians right now like a bunch of like the head people in like the government like they just like mysteriously like fall off the you know the building and it's like how does someone fall off a building (laughs) well they could have like i i assume that was like committing suicide or whatever but like this, yeah. this is just sloppy. I feel like James McAvoy did a better job murdering people in, in Wanted. That curved mm-hmm. bullet seemed more realistic. <laughs> <laughs> that is true. That is true. And I don't even know. I I haven't even watched the film. And I already agree with you. Like, <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. I feel like everybody should stop right here and just go watch the scene where he curves the bullet because it's really funny. <laughs> yeah and then it goes like past a joe lee's face and then she's just like she like like backs away but they get everyone else it's really just a flick of the wrist (laughs) (laughs) yeah he takes the list which is the watch again before heading out and the next day lorraine meets up with cutsfeld who argues that mi6 is worried about the mission feeling that it is too late and also they feel that she is not really doing her job well and he warns her to avoid delphine and to focus on the mission so at this time they feel like that oh like she's just in love with delphine and therefore she can't do the mission and then she's like no i could do the mission like i'm still working on it well, that's, like, that's classic yeah it's like the most realistic thing they've done yet is where they're like oh a woman's gotten involved with somebody she can't handle herself anymore that's like the most realistic thing i've they've done like at all yeah <laughs> you know <they> are. <laughs> she calls this number that he gives her because he kind of like slaps her with this newspaper and then leaves and then she opens the newspaper calls the phone number on it and and the person notes that it has been compromised again they don't know what the fuck like we don't know what's happening again (laughs) uh percival calls lorraine uh to meet up with her to note that they need to bring spyglass over to west berlin and though percival notes that he never met him he boasts about the man like in another scene causing Lorraine to take notes because uh, I guess like she was like oh like you don't I think it was something about like oh spyglass is this and uh, Percival is like oh no actually like he's like a pretty nice guy like he's pretty smart <laughs> and like has like a really great memory and then she's like huh that's very interesting <laughs> like <laughs> <laughs> Lorraine states that she can help take Spyglass over, but she knows that she wants her people to help gather the proper paperwork for Spyglass Mm -hmm. and his family. And during the debriefing, Gray notes that Percival said that he had the list and knew who Satchel really is. Though Lorraine is being suspicious, she keeps calm and comments on them not telling her sooner about percival kind of like it's like they're talking in code but then they're not really being like okay like 
you know, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it's like very in codes and it's like, okay, does someone have a key? Like a like a kind of like a legend to kind of go over it. Okay, if they say this, they actually mean this, you know? Like <laughs> yeah, at what point do you just like walk away? <laughs> you know? <laughs> You're like, this is too confusing, guys. I'm gonna go, you know, open a farm or <laughs> she just like gets up and leaves and just like keeps going. <laughs> like she yeah. like like swims. I don't want anybody. I just I'm just gonna yeah, or she just like turns around and walks. You know, yeah. you know those like scenes when people just, all right, I'm done. And they just turn around and walk. <laughs> like she swims across the the lake that Blake Lively swam in the rhythm section oh like God. like she just swims that too so she could not be like a a helpless uh prostitute <laughs> i just think it's funny how much of an impression the rhythm section was left <laughs> well i mean the comment section like that we did about that lake scene i was it was very funny when i was editing it <laughs> and i really like it <laughs> It then cuts to Bremovich confronting Percival that he knows that he has the list. And Percival offers to give him the information of Satchel as a way to keep the balance because he doesn't want to give him the list. But then he wants to give him someone's information that a lot of people are looking into, trying to see like who is this Satchel. And he's like, okay, I'll give you, I'll give you that information. During Pillow Talk, Delphine tells Lorraine that Percival is trying to set her up. But Lorraine notes that she isn't surprised by it. Yeah. And when Delphine mentions that Lorraine's eyes changes when she talks to her, Lorraine notes that she needs to change that before Delphine gets her killed. And I was like, okay, again, why? <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> it cuts back to Percival and Lorraine traveling back to East Berlin via the underground tunnel. And they head to Merkel's office where Lorraine needs spyglass. Uh, she orders spyglass to shave and use soap and cologne from the West I guess to kind of wash off the stench of East Berlin, I guess. Well, yeah, I know that like they do that when you do the cologne um, so that people like associate you with a different smell. So then um, when you're like free, then you're like, oh, you know, I'm just, you know, living my life. I smell like a regular dude. And most people are still looking for like the mahogany smelling guy. Oh, <laughs> you know? got it. Got it. She also has Merkel give him clothes to change. While this is happening, a protest is happening outside, and it's about the David Berlin. Hasselhoff. Yeah, it's like David Hasselhoff is leading. We don't see him, but we kind of feel him in the movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Everyone's wearing speedos because he's present in the crowd. <laughs> they got that, that like life guard thing, the floater. Yeah, do like yeah, and they're go and they're protesting, and it sounds like they're saying Berlin, but what they're really saying is Hasselhoff, Hasselhoff. <laughs> That's exactly what happened. <laughs> uh, so as the protest is occurring, Bramovich's men are ordered to find and kill Spyglass, 
and they're kind of like all over the place like you have one guy kind of like with like a sniper uh (laughs) like gun just like above everyone and then you got people like on the ground like looking for him it's crazy (laughs) terrible setup (laughs) (laughs) yeah it cuts to the debriefing room where Lorraine tells the men that the operation should have been easy and claims that this was an inside job that someone caused this to happen. And then back at Merkel's hideout, Spyglass take is taking a picture for his new passport photo. And once mm-hmm. Spyglass is ready with his new passport, he worries that someone is going to kill him. But Good Lorraine, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you didn't think that this entire film? <laughs> this is the movie, sir. <laughs> like, what if he like gets to this far? It's like, I think someone's going to kill me. And then she's like, yeah, you're in a fucking film. Like, it's a spy film this is a very serious yeah, spy like that, film that's that's when you turn around and walk away when the, <laughs> the guy who's clearly the victim is like is someone trying to kill me you're like oh forget this like everyone the whole thing shuts down they call bramovich she's like hey he's here he's right here just yeah yeah just come <laughs> to this address he'll be waiting for you he'll look lost <laughs> that's your victim <laughs> Lorraine notes that she never lost the package. Again, why the uh, really weird comments? <laughs> it's like so, <laughs> so punny and just like so, like why? Because <laughs> yeah. this is ironic. Because you know, in the end, it doesn't go as planned. <laughs> right. Spyglass then knows. Oh, I know. Like he didn't say oh, but just like I know. I know you won't lose the package. I know you. <laughs> you're on the list (laughs) uh just then spyglass's wife and children arrive and though lorraine notes that this was not part of the plan percival states that it was his idea and he asked merkel to make more passports but merkel notes that he doesn't think he has enough material let alone enough passport to make them but then that kind of like it's just like oh well like just do what you can <laughs> and then <laughs> Percival then tells Lorraine that he has that he will deal with the family while she takes Spyglass herself and as they walk with the protesters Bremovich's men spot Spyglass however right before the spot the sniper is about to shoot Merkel signals the protesters to open the umbrellas Again, it's like, okay, like every protester should have probably had umbrellas. But then in the, you know, when you're looking at them from the viewer of the sniper, like they don't have umbrellas. So it's like, how did they get these umbrellas? (laughs) Yeah, that makes no sense. (laughs) Uh, So though Percival notes that this was not part of his idea, Lorraine states that it was hers. And then Percival just takes the child, the wife and kids uh, to a nearby car while Brennovich's men try to spot Spyglass. And I guess like, just like kind of like a few seconds of like the men being like, where is he? Where is he? Does anyone have any uh 
findings of spyglass um spyglass is shot by percival himself and it's kind of revealed. surprise yeah surprise he's he's a double agent people <laughs> we knew he was a trustworthy for the beginning yeah <laughs> i just feel like we spent a little bit too much time following um james mcavoy for him mm -hmm. to be like essentially one of many antagonists like he's just we i feel like we spend too much time on him for us to believe he is more than just crooked yeah <laughs> or i guess less than yeah, yeah i mean like i feel like the, the sinead o'connor haircut does like you know reveal it way too much that he's a bad guy <laughs> he's just he's just i mean i think they suggest a lot that he is untrustworthy that they probably leaned into it like i think probably the issue i'm having is like they made too much emphasis throughout the especially in the beginning but like throughout the movie that like she can't trust anyone yeah. right mm -hmm. so no one's exempt so personally like i watched it feeling like literally everyone she interacted with including and probably especially percival were uh du like double crossing her mm -hmm. Yeah, because even so, like, even like MI six people, they were like, "Oh yeah, he's got natives." So it's like, okay, like then that means or hints that he already is like a double agent. Yeah, yeah. So him shooting the guy, like that's not particularly surprising to me. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so believing that the shot came from a nearby window, Spyglass and Lorraine head over to that building where the men are in. And she heads upstairs and takes down the men throughout the building. And this is like a 10 minute fight scene where it's just her like beating the shit out of people and like just getting hit and hurt at the same time. Yeah. Uh, and then Spyglass is like in this corner being like, oh my God, I'm bleeding. And Lauren is like, okay, fine, like alcohol, like do something. And then he's like, oh, okay. Like, it's like dude you're you you work for like the government or something like you you deal with like covert shit like shouldn't you yeah, like he's already established that he's pathetic though so that's, yeah. that's not too new <laughs> yeah <laughs> they head outside after the 10 minutes of uh fight uh they head outside and take a policeman's car and as they drive, they encounter a couple of Brenovich's men, to which Lorraine manages to take them down, either get run run them over or kind of shoot them to cause them to flip their car over as well. Because if her car gets flipped, then their car needs to get flipped too. You know, like that's just like, you know, this is like rules. a deal deal. Yeah. That's, that's how it's all, all is fair in spydom in Berlin. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. When she spots Spyglass's wound is getting worse, this is kind of like almost like a little bit of a copy of Charlie's Angels of 2019, where they're kind of like, like well, they get so like dazed. Yeah, they get dazed by uh, someone getting hurt that they forget that a car is coming towards them. Yeah. And then the car, like, Kareen, you know, gets Kareen and falls into the river. And though Lor Lorraine is able to get out, 
uh, Spyglass's foot gets stuck, and Lorraine has a hard time releasing his foot, and it ends up causing him to die by drowning, and she has to leave him behind. Both his brain and his body. Like, she couldn't even take his brain. Like, Sure, sure, yeah. sure. Uh, <laughs> The recording of the debriefing runs out of film, causing the men to replace it. And as they set up a new role of film, uh, Lorraine accuses Gray of setting her up. And then he's like, oh, like whenever you're ready, <laughs> Miss Lorraine, like he's just ignoring her. And she's like, oh, you, you know, like you're setting me up. And yeah, it's like a, a kind of like a. Gray is John Goodman, right? Yeah. <laughs> okay, okay. Just you're just keeping up with all of these guys. <laughs> oh, sorry. Gray is actually Toby uh Jones. The, the short guy. yeah, the other guy. Mm-hmm. Okay. So she heads back to Merkel, who helps her get cleaned up and transport her to Berlin via the trunk. Like he kind of pretends that he's like a Swedish ambassador uh leaving <laughs> Berlin. After Kurzfeld gives condolences to the spyglass family he notifies to percival that they need that list and uh percival is like oh yeah i agree i think like you know we should find it but he also like tells him that oh hey just so you know lorraine is still alive and then percival is like oh shit like he's like taking out like a cigarette to be like oh my god i'm stressing out i'm stressing out (laughs) so silly Uh, So back at the hotel, as the Berlin Wall collapses, Lorraine tries to find the wire that she wonders, like, why, you know, trying to see, like, oh, did she have a wire, which is why, you know, Spyglass got shot. Yeah. Uh, While that happens, she continues searching, searching, only to find that Percival so a wire into her coat that she gave him when she visited his safe house and she argues that Princeville tried to s- set it up to make it look like Delphine planted the wire and when Delphine arrives at the hotel room again unannounced didn't you know we weren't planning on having her come in but then she's like okay I'm gonna come in so I'm like okay what does this woman like actually do in her life <laughs> Did I think she just she's going around and sleeping with spy ladies. Yeah, probably. She probably has a booklet. Maybe she has her own list of just like spy ladies to just <laughs> smash. <laughs> That's gotta be it. <laughs> when she arrives at the hotel room, Lorraine argues that she should leave the city. Instead, she calls Percival back at her place and confronts him about the wire. And she argues that she knows the game that he's playing and can beat him at it. So then she uh, places the Bella uh, photos in an envelope for Lorraine before putting on headphones and listening to loud music. Again, Spy 101, like don't wear headphones when you when someone might want to kill you. Like... <laughs> I feel like they've already like established her as kind of um yeah I don't know the right word but like just a little too like naive like, or yeah naive. that's helpful thank you yeah yeah she she just seems like 
she's not great at this. <laughs> she's sort of like new. And she's kind of like, you know, almost like that, like that girl who sort of like fumbles around is trying to be everyone's friend, you know, which makes very bad like life decisions. I feel like she's kind of like that a bit, you know? Yeah, I could see that. Yeah. Uh, so as she packs her bags, an unknown person sneaks in and attempts to strangle her. And she removes the mask during the struggle to reveal that is Percival. And after the struggle, Percival kind of falls. And this allows Delphine to get out of the stranglehold and to stab him in the back. And she kind of stabs him like high up, you know, to where he can't reach it. It's like he's having a hard time trying to reach it. And <laughs> he like hits himself against this door, causing him causing the blade to go deeper more. It's like it's a little bit comical at this point. It's like I feel like at this point they just kind of like gave up. They're like, oh yeah, let's just like let's just put this comedy bit in. <laughs> like <laughs> Even though this is supposed to be a very serious spy film. That isn't animated. <laughs> yeah. But I, you know, I think it's funny. It's kind of laughable that after, you know, this plot that they actually think they're getting, or they thought that they were getting like a sequel. <laughs> yeah. I mean, technically they are like at this oh, point. Oh, they still are? Oh, I thought that yeah. was crap. I missed no, that no, part. no. No, that one was the rhythm section. That one okay. was supposed to get a sequel, but then that didn't happen. Yeah, that's probably for the best. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Lorraine heads to the call box outside of Delphine's apartment, and she tries to, like, kind of buzz in to be let in. And mm -hmm. Delphine, I she was kind of reaching for her gun, but I don't know if she was, like, trying to take down Percival first before allowing uh, Lorraine in, I guess. But Percival strangles her to death before escaping. And just then Lorraine comes in because someone like opened the door for her and she discovers Delphine's body. And then she's like crying. She's like, oh my God, like I lost like this woman that I had sex with and didn't really trust her because she huh. wasn't that great of a spy, but you know, whatever. You probably just <laughs> liked her in the way that like people like, oh, this is so rude to say, but like pets. <laughs> <laughs> because she didn't exactly know what she was doing. And I feel like it almost came off like, I think you're adorable. Because yeah. they weren't, they weren't, they didn't know each other long enough for it to be a relationship. Yeah. And she was suspicious of her, but I think her sort of like bumbling way of being a spy, I thought was endearing to Lorraine. It's still not necessary for this film at all. No. But that's probably where all of this emotion is coming from. <laughs> yeah, probably. Yeah. <laughs> so Percival makes it back to his apartment to mend his wounds and to destroy the files and recordings that he gathered for this mission. And as he's like walking to his car, Lorraine discovers the pictures Delphine left behind. And it reveals that Percival uh, talking to Bremovich. And mm. once he gets to his car, he discovers that his tire is cut before spotting Lorraine. And then 
also while this whole montage is happening of like going back and forth with Lorraine and Percival, Percival is kind of doing this speech where he feels like that, oh, like this whole spy stuff is just like it like what what's like the purpose of being a spy yeah. if I can't trust anyone, basically. Right. And then, like, in the end of his speech, he's like, well, all I know is this. I love fucking Berlin. And then he gets shot. <laughs> like, immediately. <laughs> Lorraine shoots him down and tells him that he didn't need to kill Delphine. And notes that he was going to have the KGB take her down since he was too afraid to do it himself. And... She also asked for the list to which he knows that he doesn't have it and it's en route to the MI6 where it belongs. But then when she steps on his wound, uh, she kind of grabs the wash from him because it's kind of like hidden within his clothes. It's like he's like wearing long sleeve jacket and shirts. So she kind of has to like open to reveal it basically. Is it like sewn in? No, it's kind of it's on his wrist, but like he's okay. you know she has to go through like fabric, like twenty layers of fabric in order to be like okay, a here's a watch. <laughs> yeah, once she gets a watch, she also reveals that he is Satchel, the double agent that was on the list. Like, what? Win- he yeah. said what? <laughs> what? Oh my god, this right. is like so crazy. <laughs> uh to which (laughs) oh my goodness so he's like so just so so i understand like he he's a double agent for bremovich is that what we're saying yeah at this point he's like an mi6 double agent for the kgb Mm -hmm. so it's like he's pretending to be working for mi6 but he's actually working for kgb okay because i feel like um i got the wait <laughs> this is so confusing i i so he because so bremovich he he's working for bremovich right well see that's the thing it's like he technically is working for mi6 but then he's like making ties with bremovich who is a kgb person so, so he is a devil agent yeah he's working for both sides Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. Yeah. That's annoying. <laughs> but okay. Like he just had to make it complicated. Like he just had to make his life more complicated than it needs to be. <laughs> I feel like this movie focuses too much on his storyline. Yeah. To like throw us off, but and that's 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 the thing we were talking about before, but just like throwing us off with like other points and not mm-hmm. focusing on the actual plot of the film. Yeah, but yeah, no, that's, I, I'm not surprised. This is not surprising at all. I feel no. like when they say at the top, trust no one, you take that to heart and trust no one. <laughs> this I is don't a... even trust the, the writers at this point. <laughs> yeah. This is a very serious spy film that even the screenwriter doesn't even know what's going on. He's like, yeah. okay, yeah. like, I, I don't know. I don't know. Everybody is untrustworthy. Yeah. Starting with the rain and working backwards. <laughs> yeah like he's satchel 
uh, to which he knows that she's lying and is only painting a picture for MI6. Mm-hmm. Uh, Gray accuses Lorraine of killing Percival. Uh, she paints him as being satchel with Delphine's photographs with Percival and Brenovich, as well as altering the audio recordings uh, to make it look like Percival is working for the KGB and is not working for MI6 this entire time. Gray asks for the list to which Lorraine states that she doesn't have it. And just then, C enters the room and tells Lorraine that the mission never took place. And in fact, this conversation that you were having also never took place. Well, that's always convenient. Yeah. And the whole movie was never actually there. <laughs> yeah. And then Gray and Kurtz- Kurtzville just leaves the room. Like, no questions asked, no concern, nothing. They just get up, put their notebooks, like their notebooks together, and they're just, they just walk away. And they she's like, great. Do I still have a job or what are we doing? Can I get some coffee? before i leave like uh what's what's going on here what you got uh going on here that i uh don't know what to do am i supposed to move in this moment can i breathe again I'm <laughs> this, is, this is this is crazy classic yeah. c classic c <laughs> but before c leaves lorraine asks what she should wear to have tea with the queen because in the beginning uh when she's given the mission that apparently this is such like a big mission that if she secedes that she'll have tea with the queen i didn't know that that was like a big thing like to have tea with the queen like yeah apparently it's important but since they're in uh berlin it's like who cares (laughs) yeah who cares (laughs) uh so three days later in paris Lorraine now speaking in a Russian accent, well, just like in Russian, and then also wearing a black hair wig. Uh, she meets with Bremovich, who addresses her as Comrade Satchel. Satchel. Dun dun dun. Oh my God, <laughs> another twist. We did not expect that, people. This is a very serious spy film. We did not expect that. It's so, (laughs) so many layers. It's like an onion. It's just so, so um, frothy and just very (laughs) oniony. It's it's frothy, ladies and gentlemen. (laughs) Uh, So she hands him the watch containing the list. Mm -hmm. Before joking that she thought that he wanted to kill her, you know, ha ha ha, as such. At all chestnut. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but then he's like, oh, well. <laughs> and then his men arrive, noting that Percival told him more about Satchel than he had pre- previously known. Though Bremovich discovers the watch sorry he leaves and then like these group of men like one of them like brings a tarp just like you know gently lays it over this one area of the hotel room puts on gloves and it's like oh if you could step into the tar the you know tarp area that would be great you know just like step in avoid mess 
this is a very expensive hotel room and we don't want you know to cover any mess or <laughs> cleaning bills for this place because <laughs> now they're cheap <laughs> yeah i mean like it's kgb so i mean you don't know <laughs> right sure <laughs> she's like ah i'm not going to do that and then a fight and scene ensues and she takes all the men down while that's happening, Bremovich discovers that the watch she gave him is not the one containing the list. It's just like a regular watch. Is uh, it a decoy watch? <laughs> yeah, it's a decoy watch. How did you what? know? How did you know, Nzinga? You are oh my a very gosh, I had no woman. idea. I had no very idea. Very smart. <laughs> <laughs> Once she takes down the men, Bremovich enters the room and she shoots him in the neck. And, like, blood is splurting out of his throat. And as, like, she is, like, walking over to Bramovich and, you know, drinking, like, another glass of vodka. <laughs> uh, she tells... <laughs> yeah. Uh, she tells him that she always is fed up with his mis... Oh, sorry. She always fed him misinformation to manipulate the KGB. And she kills them and just leaves the mess for Merkel and his team to clean up. And like, well, they had tarps down, right? So they're good. Well, it was just that one area. There was oh, just that uh, one well. area. So everything else is like disastrous. I mean, you got like dove feathers or goose feathers, like just flewing about the scene and just yeah, they need blood Febreze. sprayed on they the need, walls. They need some Febreze and some Lysol. They'll be fine. Yeah. Some <laughs> oh maybe a little bit of the magic eraser, you know? Yeah. Yeah, that'll uh, do it. <laughs> if that existed <laughs> at that time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh you know, I think that's what John Wick should bring back. You know, it's like he he should just like enter and be like, here, here's this like device that may be discovered like in the early 2000s here you go this this yeah. will help this will help yeah it should go back so yeah so i feel like it should be an atomic blonde movie where john wick makes an appearance to give her cleaning products <laughs> that would go over really well with john wick fans <laughs> <laughs> the watchmaker takes her to a secluded airport and bets her safe travels before she enters a CIA plane. And while she is like, she goes and sits down, and that's where we see Krumfeld. Yeah, Kurs Kursfeld. Kurtzfeld. Uh, yeah, John Goodman. <laughs> and he's just like there with the paperwork, and he's like, okay, like we're we're gonna be back in the US in 11 hours. That's great awesome missions over and then he just had to bring this up he's like cocksucker really and then she kind of does like a little coy smile and said i'm glad it was convincing and it is implied that lorraine is actually a triple agent not a double agent not a single agent a triple agent and she is working not only for the cia Oh, she was working for the CIA all this time, but she was also working with like the KGB and the MI6. So she fooled everyone. I, I mean, sort of. But like, <laughs> uh, <laughs> I think it's funny that John Goodman's so you know fixated on the the cocksucker insult 
I think I don't think it played well. I don't think it did like it played particularly well. It wasn't necessarily funny, and I don't think there's enough to be gained by adding it. But yeah. th- just to throw in there that the ego of this man who's like, <laughs> I'm very offended. I'm supposed to be acting, but I'm very offended. She called me a cocksucker. It's like, <laughs> okay, maybe stay in your lane, <laughs> and also stop <laughs> sucking cocks. <laughs> because maybe she did maybe she did see him sucking cock and she's like yeah you're a cocksucker like that's but that's part of the job they've established that's part of the job (laughs) that's like the one thing we know for certain (laughs) and on that note that is the end that's the end of the film like that that's it (laughs) that's it they're done surprise the person you can't trust is the main character who was told not to trust anybody (laughs) and that's the moral of the story boys and girls (laughs) so what did you what did you think about the film i think i made it very clear jeanette what i think about the film okay (laughs) it was not great i i do not recommend it and i haven't seen it in a while but i was disappointed it was confusing i thought they set up a lot of weird confusing things that didn't pay off the way i think they thought it paid off and you know i think I'm not saying they should they should try again because they shouldn't, but it just feels like I think they overcomplicated what could have been like a really cool franchise and like or like really cool IP, and it yeah. was just it was irritating to to watch. And then even with the whole bit where she's with John Goodman in the plane after, like I was sitting there being like, after all that, like you were you all were lying to us from the beginning. Like, what exactly is known to be true? And mm-hmm. and it just it I if it made it overcomplicated this film and it made for like a very frustrating experience. <laughs> so yeah, this, this for once I can say because I feel like I usually have a positive response, but this one is disappointing. <laughs> this one was disappointing because it could have been so much better. There was just too many sausages in this really sad stew. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, maybe if it was like, you know, kind of like spaghetti and sausage with just like two sausages, like then that's fine, you know, like, but no, this one had a lot of sausages (laughs) and I don't think that that's appropriate for a spaghetti and sausage plate, you know, like that's just too much. I I feel like the phrase is carrots. I always say the wrong thing. It's a sausage fest, but a carrot stew. A carrot stew is a bunch of dudes in a pool or in a hot tub. And a sausage fest is when there's just a lot of dudes around. <laughs> I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah, that's what it is. <laughs> see, folks, see, even in this podcast, you you learn things. You know, you, you learn do. about carrots stew. <laughs> you learn, you learn uh, a lot of phrases that uh, you wouldn't normally learn. <laughs> I like the kind of like the whole action sequence in terms of like the fight scenes. I felt like that they were pretty good. But yeah, the the story was like a bit confusing. And I don't I, I feel like that when it comes to spy films, it's like they want to keep it like, you know, innuendo and like secret. But it's like, you know, you could you could just like, you know, just say some things to kind of help people understand what's happening. Like it doesn't have to be all secret. And also I didn't think I'm sorry to say this, but I did not think that that actress that played the French woman, Delphine. Delphine. Yeah. I'm sorry. I don't think 
in my honest opinion, I don't think acting is ideal for her. In my honest opinion, I think that she should probably look for a different profession. And this is the same... This is the same woman that played in the Mummy remake. Like she oh, played okay. the uh the Mummy. Like <laughs> it's probably like I'm sure she's acted before, but like it probably wasn't wise. Like, well, she shouldn't have been in the I think a lot of it is that she shouldn't have been in the movie at all. Like that that yeah. plot just didn't make any sense. But I think playing opposite opposite Charlize Theron is huge. And they probably should have gotten somebody with a little bit more experience. Yeah, that that too. That could be it. And that also could be like maybe she wasn't directed well, you know, like they didn't yeah. guide her to do the scene correctly or like maybe improve her performance. I don't know. And then I also thought it was like very weird that like this movie was like heavy on 80s music. Like it was like every single music or every single song in it was an 80s music and i get it it's it's set in the 80s but at the same time you know you could play a different song or or like you know i don't know it was i guess like it was just like a lot they were so heavy on like making sure that the music is in there and it goes well and that's great but you know, yeah. this is supposed to be a spy film, not a comedy. <laughs> they struggled. They definitely struggled to find like a tone that screamed 80s. And like, I don't think Stranger Things had come out yet. It might have. I don't know. But I like, think I it think... was. Yeah, I think it was like maybe on the second season. Yeah. Like, I think they they just didn't know really how to like implement Because in a spy movie, it doesn't really matter what year it is. It's like spying. I mean, I'm assuming that since like 1989, like spies are better. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. But, like, I feel like, with the exception of like Hasselhoff, they were like, "How are we supposed to keep reminding people that this is taking place in the 80s?" And so they probably like that's probably how they chose to do it was just like aggressive 80s 80s music. Yeah, that's true. But yeah, no, I think uh, just with the film overall, I think. The one thing that I will say that is really cool about Atomic Blonde is what you said earlier was just the fight sequences. Like, I think even though Charlize Theron, <clears throat> her character didn't fight like a like what you would expect a spy or someone who's like highly trained to fight like it mm-hmm. was really fun to watch her like very elaborate fight scenes with people. Yeah, you know, because it was it felt a little innovative to see her like like I said, like utilize things in the room around her to sort of like delay her adversary who was usually much bigger than she was. And I think for me, that's the one reason why I would say watch Atomic Blonde is because if you're you know, a filmmaker or you just really like fight scenes, like that's a good place to get some inspiration. So that's uh, that's what the one sort of plus that I would say go like g- coming out of this is like their fight scenes are definitely one to watch. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And there's a few of them too. I mean, hopefully this hopefully the second film is somewhat better, but I don't know. I mean, I'm not keeping my hopes up on that part, but um, but yeah, yeah. I don't think that they, they deserve another chance, but that's just me. <laughs> yeah, also I feel like that the film 
probably was better off just like ending it as like that being like yep this is a one film movie but i don't know maybe it's because like you know when it comes to distribution companies and like big studios like they want to make sure that they invest in a movie that can be a franchise even though it's probably well <laughs> overwritten and you know and done so many times type of thing if that makes sense yeah i think we can conclude this film i i think like maybe next episode we could probably try to aim for a film that's like you know better you know like i feel like that that's our mission is to try and make sure that we can find a a badass female uh film that is both has a female character in it and is they're badass but also that the film is really great so yeah i i think that despite that we should definitely add um spy <laughs> 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 Melissa McCarthy spy, um, the old guard, and um, Columbiana, for yeah. sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah we'll do. We'll do. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that is it for this episode. Uh, you can follow us on Instagram at j a n d m underscore podcast. If you like this episode, please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. And Zinka, uh, any last words or any shout outs? I mean, <laughs> don't let this discourage you from watching movies. No. <laughs> we just trash this movie, but don't, don't watch more movies. I feel like the, the moral of the story is watch more movies because some movies are good and some movies are bad. And you got to watch both to know like what you're talking about. And Jeanette and I watch a tremendous amount of movies. So um, thank you for listening. <laughs> I promise you there are movies out there that the two of us like and that the two of us both like at the same time. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, uh, thanks for, for listening and I'm glad you guys enjoyed this. <laughs> yeah, thank you again and hope you come back next week episode. Bye. Bye.